0: Journey into space. The BBC presents Jet Morgan in The World in Peril.
1: morgan and his crew were aboard a martian asteroid which was on its way through space to join the martian invasion fleet however jet with the aid of the recorded voice of the martian thought to be aboard the asteroid managed to stop the asteroid's flight but the deceleration was so rapid that the ship sustained considerable damage to its installations and paddy flynn the irishman who'd been a prisoner of the martians a great many years received injuries from which he died meanwhile mitch
0: and Lemmy. Wandering through the winding corridors which honeycombed the asteroids, suddenly came upon the Martian quarters and found the door open. They went inside and heard a voice, a very familiar voice, telling them to climb a flight of stairs. This they did, and found themselves in what they took to be a lookout tower standing on the asteroid's surface. Oh, I didn't know this was a social call. Who are you? Yeah, why don't you show yourself?
1: I intend to. But would you mind closing the door first?
0: What, the the one we just came through, you mean?
1: Yes.
2: All right, close it, Lemmy. Let's get this over.
0: All right. Contact. Thank you. Where's the door he'll be coming through, Mitch?
2: Well, over there, I suppose. It's the only other door I can see.
3: Oh, and here he comes. The door's opening.
1: Hello, Mitch. Lenny. Nice to see you again.
0: Blimey. It's... It's the Lunar Controller.
1: Surprised to see me. We
2: both thought we recognized your voice, but we couldn't see how it could possibly be you.
0: Well, last time we saw you was down on the Earth's moon, just before the discovery took off for Mars. How did you get here?
1: Don't you remember? As you took off, a fleet of Martian spheres landed near the Lunar Colony.
0: That's right. Well, now I wrecked the takeoff. We only got away by the skin of our teeth.
1: You were lucky to get away at all. I. Eh? The spheres were late. They were due to arrive three hours before. You mean you were expecting them? Of course.
0: But how'd you know they were coming?
1: Well, you saw them yourself. From the observation dome. You were watching the sunrise, remember? It was you and Jet Morgan who drew my attention to them... <clears throat> And very grateful I was for the information, too. But just seeing them didn't mean they were going to land. To me, it did.
2: Hey? You mean you had advance information?
1: Yes. Where from? From Mars, of course. Mars? But how? By the usual method. I knew when those spheres would land on Earth, too, and where the men in them were bound for.
0: You knew when they'd land?
1: Didn't I just say so?
0: Then that one that landed in the Lake District, you knew about that as well.
1: Of course. Its crew had left the ship 24 hours before you arrived on the scene. In fact, they had already reported to their conduct in London by the time your helicopter got there.
2: And you knew all this when you were supposed to be looking for them?
1: So long as I was sure we wouldn't find them, I was willing to give you, the police, and anybody else all the help I could. Now, wait a minute. Yes, Lemmy?
0: Are you trying to tell us you've been working with the Martians all the time? Yes. And that the Lunar Controller... One of the highest officials in space HQ is a traitor?
1: Now, I wouldn't go that far, Lemmy.
0: Well, what else are you, then? No wonder every move we made was known. No wonder that Condition geezer picked us up in an official car and took us down to Hindhead, instead of the airport, where you were supposed to be waiting.
1: No wonder at all,
0: really. You and all your talk about there being conditioned types planted in space HQ... It was you that planted them there. Of course. And keeping us confined to that hotel. Not letting us write letters to our families or, or even contact them by phone. For the safety of the public, you said. A necessary move to avert nationwide panic.
1: That was reasonable.
0: And then you have the nerve to allow us to take off for Mars again. Find out all you can about the invasion. Why, oh, you big... You... You knew about it all the time.
1: I had to get you off the Earth. I nearly succeeded with that phony chauffeur, but you were too smart for me. So I had then to let you get at least as far as the moon. Nobody on Earth, in space HQ, or anywhere else could possibly suspect that I had any other interest at heart than getting the Mars fleet safely on its way. Well, you certainly fooled us. We trusted you to do just that. But it was never intended that you should get away safely. I just before takeoff, the spheres from the fleet of Martian asteroids were to have arrived, overcome the lunar colony and all the personnel, including you. Then why didn't I... I told you. They were a little late. And before they appeared, your rocket motors had been fired. The Discovery and the two freighters had to take off then. I really should congratulate you on getting away at all, without any further help from Lunar Control. And what happened to them? They were easily overpowered. They were all hypnotized. Conditioned, as you call it. Transferred to the spheres, later up to the asteroid, and then to Mars. They got there some three months before you did. I believe they're all getting along very nicely now. And what about the two ships that were sent up from Earth to investigate the
2: lunar colony's failure to answer radio signals?
1: A skeleton staff of specially trained personnel were left behind to deal with them. The crews of those ships are on Mars, too, now. And the ships? They're still back there on the moon. ...on the launching ground. They were not damaged. And what about the colony now? There is no such thing. Now the Earth is no longer sending ships to the moon, the place has been evacuated. How about the Earth itself? 100,000 conditioned personnel have been landed to date. Huh? They are there, living among normal people, just waiting for the invasion to start. They know exactly what to do when it does. Taking over the Earth will be an easy matter. 90% of the population won't even know what has happened... There'll be no bloodshed, no fighting. Ah, but how could you avoid it? Quite easily, Mr. Mitchell. That still doesn't tell me how. When you were back on Earth, did either of you ever watch television? Of course we did. We can't get away from it. It's in every home. Yes, in every home. In the telecinemas, restrooms... Works canteens, schools, hospitals, restaurants. Look, I don't see what this has to do with conquering the earth. Television is the most important weapon at our disposal.
0: What are you talking about, Chump?
1: Surely you haven't forgotten the famous hypnotism incident of six years ago.
2: Professor, um, what was his name? Um, um, Brewer. Yeah, Brewer, that's it. Gave a lecture on hypnotic medicine.
1: Yes,
0: it was relayed throughout the British Commonwealth. What, you mean that kid who puts people to sleep just by looking at them and talking to them from a televiewer screen? Yes. Am I likely to forget it?
1: you remember that Professor Brewer had incredibly strong powers as a hypnotist. He had only to stare fixedly at the camera for a few minutes and speak in his soft and soothing way, to have half his viewers falling asleep.
0: That's right. Didn't take more than a couple of seconds in some cases.
1: Professor Brewer had spent some years on Mars. What? Not... Before he was taken to the Red Planet, he was an ordinary medical student. But on Mars, he was conditioned... Trained as a hypnotist and returned to Earth to practice his art and make a name for himself.
0: And he certainly made one, but I wouldn't like to repeat it here.
1: His appearance on TV on a worldwide link-up was engineered by us.
0: You mean you fixed it all?
1: Of course. We wanted to carry out a little experiment. It worked beautifully. And if it worked so well with a trained Earthman, you don't need me to tell you how it'll work when a Martian to whom hypnotism is commonplace carries out a similar telecast. Oh, plan how far do you think he'll get?
2: The moment the first reports of the effect of Brewer's talk reached the television authorities, he was cut off.
0: Yeah, and in any case, the cameraman went to sleep. And for the last couple of minutes, the only view people got of Professor Brewer was his niece.
1: The cameraman won't go to sleep next time. People already conditioned will be unaffected and will carry on as they normally would. You
2: mean... You've got condition types planted in all television organisations. The world over.
0: But every station in the world won't necessarily carry the picture?
1: Oh, yes, they will. It has all been arranged.
0: But how's a Martian, especially if his brain is as long as a street as you say it is, going to get into a studio without being noticed?
1: He doesn't need to. At the time of the transmission, he will be in an asteroid like this one, poised above the Earth. Then... Every station in every part of the world will suddenly tell its viewers to stand by for an announcement of worldwide importance. They will be told to bring as many people as possible to the receiver. This, they will be warned, is an international emergency.
0: can't you just see them, sitting there with their tongues hanging out, not wanting to miss a thing?
1: And then it will happen. The regular program will be replaced by the one from the asteroid. It is estimated that everybody watching the screen will be conditioned within two minutes. And then? And then they will be in a condition whereby they cannot fail to do exactly as they're told. And they will be told to carry on life much as before. To go to work, run their homes, and obey the orders of the local supervisors, who by then will have taken over and have things well under control. Blimey! Even Big Brother's Big Brother didn't think of going that far. But surely these people will know something must have happened to them? Not in the least. They'll never realize life was any different. They'll imagine things are quite normal, as they've always been.
0: Slaves of a television screen.
1: They're hardly less than that now. And what about the people who won't be watching? There are bound to be some, I grant you.
0: Well, won't they realize
2: the rest of the populace has suddenly become abnormal?
1: On the contrary. By then, it will be they who are the abnormal ones. It's all a matter of comparison, you know. The majority consider themselves normal, so to be in a minority is to be abnormal. You may be sure that the majority will soon try to bring the rest into line, and they will be fully briefed as to how this can be done. They will merely have to inform the local supervisor or his representative. All abnormal people will then be rendered normal by conditioning.
2: And what if they're immune to it? Or want to carry on their lives in the way they always have and don't want to change?
1: I have no doubts arrangements have been made for such people.
0: Oh, bet they ever know.
1: And how long have you been a supporter of this happy project? Since before I was returned to Earth. Five years ago.
0: You mean you were on Mars before? Yes. You're a trustee.
1: That's right. And for that, I am to be rewarded with the post of supervisor to the London region. One of the most important positions a man could wish for. And
0: what good will it do you?
1: It will be a comfortable life. Once the whole world is under Martian government, there'll be no wars, no hunger, no unhappiness. No, you think not? Why should there be? With people properly organized, obeying orders because they can't help it, not having to think for themselves because it's already all worked out for them, why should they be unhappy?
0: Why should they be happy?
1: What is happiness but the absence of unhappiness? Well,
0: I like to be happy in my own simple way, thanks. I don't want it all organized for me.
1: But if you are unaware of it, what difference does it make?
0: I think it makes a lot.
1: Is a poor child playing with a stick and a paper ball any unhappier than a rich child with a complete cricket outfit? A
0: child doesn't know any better.
1: Precisely. And neither do conditioned types.
0: But we're not conditioned. And neither are the people down on earth.
1: Yet. Or
0: are they?
1: No. No. The invasion is close at hand, but it hasn't begun.
0: Then why don't you ask the folk down on Earth what they think of your plan to make them happy? Give them a choice while they still have the chance.
1: I don't plan this invasion. I'm merely helping to effect it.
0: Schlemiel. What was that? You heard me a big...
1: Lemmy, Lemmy. well... Calm
2: down. Losing your temper isn't going to help.
1: And you are helpless, Lemmy. Make no mistake about that. So you might as well accept it. There's nothing you can do to stop the plans for the invasion being put into action. So, if you have any sense, you'll listen to my proposition.
0: I've heard enough, thanks. You can keep your proposition. And that goes for me, too.
1: A pity. Men like you and Jet and Doc would be so useful to us. You could gain much from cooperation.
0: Well, we ain't feeling cooperative. Now, do you want to make something of it?
1: Very well. Maybe you'll change your minds later. Not
0: me. Now, if you don't mind opening the door, we'll get back to chat. You must be getting worried about us.
1: I'm sorry, but that can't be permitted. Right? Hey? Now, wait a minute. Neither of you can leave this room. You mean we're prisoners here? Yeah. In effect, yes, you are. Unless you care to think again about cooperation.
0: We've thought about it, and the answer's no.
1: Very well. Then you'll have to stay here. When 738 arrives, I'll have you transferred to it. And then what? You'll be taken back to Mars. Maybe a few years in one of the factories down there will make you wish you changed your mind.
3: Oh, no!
1: is the Great Hall. I'll scan the place from end to end. Rajap, what's the point? We've covered the whole route between here and the sleeping quarters a dozen times. Well, once more can't hurt. How? Oh, nothing. You want a close-up of the foot of the staircase? Yes, please. Well, there it is, in darkness, just as before. Well, then they can't be up there. Paddy distinctly told us if anybody used the stairway, the light would automatically come on. But once they reached the room, it'd go out. Only if they closed the door behind them. Lemmy and Mitch wouldn't have done that. They didn't intend to remain longer than a few moments that it would take to collect the bed and head back here again. Well, what could have happened to them? Well, they could have got lost. Paddy said that from here, the way to the sleeping quarters was rather complicated. But he gave them the fullest directions. And if they did miss their way, all they had to do was turn around and come back. They must have been gone for at least two hours now. And if we go and search for them and they return meanwhile? Well, one of us will have to stay here. You'd better, Frank. Uh, you and I will go, Doc. Very right, well, if you say so. Try to follow us on that vision phone, will you?
0: Well, I tried to follow Lemmy and Mitch, but he doesn't seem to receive all the places he did before. Well,
1: do your best just the same.
0: Well, of course, but find them soon. I,
1: I'd i hate you and Doc to get lost as well. If Patty was right, it shouldn't be possible to get lost. He controlled only part of the ship, and he said it was almost impossible to pass from one section to another without the Martian's permission. Well, let's hope he's right. Uh, come along then, Doc. Look, hadn't we better try the other door? Why? Nothing happened the last time we tried it. Well, it's the quicker way, and it might be working. Mm, very well. Nope. Still out of action. We'll have to go the other way. Come on. The directions Paddy had given Mitch and Lemmy, and which Jet and I now followed, seemed simple enough. But we soon found them to be totally inadequate, and it wasn't long before we were lost in a maze of corridors. We could well understand now why Mitch and Lemmy had not found their way back to the room in which we had first found ourselves awake. There was no word from Frank, so we could only assume that the vision phone of the control panel, where we hoped he was still sitting, was incapable of being tuned to whatever part of the asteroid Jet and I were now unwillingly exploring. We were in a long, winding, well-lit corridor, similar to the one where we had first heard the voice of the Martian. It was so similar that, for a while, we both thought we knew where we were. But as we progressed and no warning voice told us to turn back, we soon realized we were mistaken. Hold it, Doc. This can't be the way. There should be a set of those spiral steps leading out of here. Should have been on the right, about 50 yards after coming down that slope. That's if Paddy's instructions were correct. I doubt if they are. Yeah, so do I. maybe we'd better go back to that big junction. Where the four corridors meet. Yeah, Paddy said it would be three. Well, that was the only junction we've seen up to now, and it was four, all identical in appearance. Well, let's go back there. We'll take another way this time. Come on. Say, this is the place, isn't it? Uh, The junction, I mean. I would have thought so, but there are only three corridors here. But... Couldn't have got lost in that short distance. Unless we took a wrong turning on the way back. I wouldn't have thought so. Well, there are certainly only three corridors meeting here. I couldn't have rebuilt them since we were here last. Uh, Perhaps we'd better retrace our steps again. There was only somewhere marking the way we'd come. We don't even possess a pencil between us. Mm, A large ball of string would be even more useful. What are you doing? Uh, Seeing if I can make a mark on the wall with my boot. Well? nope. Goodness knows what that wall can be made of. I can't make even a scratch on it. This could be the three corridors that Paddy meant, I suppose. The ones we should have passed originally. In which case, assuming we came down that one, we should take the center of the three passageways facing it. Right, let's do that. Come on, then. But we were still no better off. The stairs we had hoped to find did not appear. The corridor forked twice in a very short time and then again assumed a circular course but in the opposite direction to the one from which we had just retreated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we heard a sound that made us instinctively flatten ourselves against the wall. Not that doing that helped us much, but there was no openings of any kind in which we could have hidden. What do you make of that, Doc? Sounds like a, a drum or, or a piece of machinery. No, nice. it's... It's marching feet. What? isn't it yes i think it is not far off either should we retreat do you think about a hundred yards back there was a flight of stairs maybe we could hide there uh, no point here they are just coming around the corner now yes condition types look at them like men sleepwalking looking straight ahead now that right nor left mm. doesn't seem to be anybody in charge of them i wonder where they're going when they get level with us we'll find out well, how you'll see Nearly level with us now. I'll approach the one on this side of the front rank. Stop. There. See what I mean, Doc.
0: What are your orders?
1: Where are you going? To
0: Sphere Bay Number Five. What for? It must be made ready to receive the sphere from Asteroid Seven Three Eight.
1: Well, that's the one that's on its way here. When is Seven Three Eight due to arrive? I do not know. Well, who'll be in that sphere when it does get here? I do not know. Well, who told you to get the bay ready?
0: Orders were received, and orders must be obeyed without question at all times.
1: I've heard that before somewhere. But don't you know who gave you the orders? Orders must be obeyed Yes, 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 we know all about hey, that. Hey, hey, just a minute. Yeah. That bay Mitch saw on the vision phone, the one with the huge sphere in it. Well? Well, according to him, it was built into a crater up on the asteroid's surface. So? And if those men are going to the bay, they'll have to go outside where there's no atmosphere. But all they're wearing are their the crew suits there. They couldn't go outside in those. Yes. Then they must collect some kind of space suit first. Well, what if they do? Oh, don't you see? Look, we've been without helmets ever since we came aboard this ship. Why were they taken from us? To prevent our going outside. What other reason could there be? But why try to prevent it? We couldn't do any harm just walking around on the surface. Oh... There can only be one reason. They wanted to be sure we wouldn't wander into one of the sphere bays. Because if we did, we might well board one of those spheres and make off with it. They're easy enough to control, as Lemmy and I found out when we escaped from that flying doctor. And if these men are going outside, they'll need suits, of course. Of course. Come on, let's follow them. We may find where the suits are stored and find our helmets among them. All right, Doc, we we'll are falling behind. Now, you... What are your orders? You will proceed to Bay 5 and carry out the orders already given to you.
0: Orders received and understood.
1: All right, Doc. Come on. Let's see what a little conducted tour brings forth. Jed and I walked alongside the group of men. We passed through at least a mile of corridors, occasionally climbing flights of steps and walking up slopes which brought us nearer and nearer the asteroid's surface. At last, we came to a huge, circular door. Without hesitation, the man Jet had spoken to approached it and pressed the control. Immediately, there came the now familiar rasping sound of the warning for all doors in our section of the asteroid to be closed. A few moments later, the door opened to reveal a great hall, similar to the one we had passed through when we first left the room in which we had been confined. The difference between this hall and the other was that instead of a corridor being at the far end of it, there was another airtight door, similar to the one we were now passing through. There was also a number of smaller doors set in the side wall. The first door closed behind us. Then the men split up into fours and made for some of the smaller doors. Jet and I followed the men who had been at the rear of the column. When the door for which they were heading was reached, one of the men opened it. He and his three companions went inside. Jet and I followed, then stopped in surprise at the sight that met our eyes.
2: Come on, Doc. Let's get inside before that door
1: closes and locks us out. This must be a storeroom for space suits. Do you think our helmets are up here? Well, I hope we're ever finding them if they are. take us hours to explore this place. Hey, wait a minute. Those conditioned fellows, they're taking four of those suits to pieces. Yes, they're going to put them on. We'll do the same. And go outside. Well, why not? Nobody should recognize us in these get-ups, and we may learn quite a lot that'll help us to get away. Well, I'd rather find out how to locate Mitch and Lemmy, but okay, what you say goes, Jed. I'm with you. And let's hurry up. or Those fellows will be out of here before we're even dressed. Now, keep a close watch on them. Put every piece on in the same order as later. You bet. Well, so far so good. Yeah, they're putting their helmets on now. Okay, watch how they do it. We'll put ours on, too. Right. Here goes. This suit feels so stiff. It's like being enclosed in a suit of armor. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, quite clearly. These suits must carry radio. But where? And where does the oxygen supply come from? And... What do we do if it runs out? Well, it must last as long as it'll take those fellas to do whatever they have to do outside. And they're going. Uh, fall in behind and stay close to them. Right. And even more important, stay close to each other.
0: Attention, 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 attention.
3: attention. The
1: Martian. Sounds as though his voice is right here inside my suit.
0: Oh, Pasan at the spirit airlow immediately. Well, that
1: includes us, Doc. Come on. Join the end of the The air out of here before opening the outer door. This is when we find out if we put those suits on properly.
0: The airlock is now exhausted and outer door about to open.
1: And these suits must be okay. Thank goodness for that. And there goes the outer door.
3: All personnel will proceed to their puppets and carry out the orders as instructed. On completion of tasks, you will return to the
1: airlock. That is all. Here we go, Doc a crater with dozens of spheres parked on its floor. Yes, and room for dozens more. Look, there's the big one that Mitch told us about. Uh, It could be. Stick close to the working party, Doc. We should get a good chance to look this place over. Stick close to them, you say? They're splitting up and going in different directions. What do we do? Follow just one of them? No point in that. We'll go our own way. Huh? Now, not too far. Just up to that big ship. I want to get a really close look at it. Well, it doesn't seem to be any different from the smaller spheres. Not from the outside, anyway. Well, do you think it's operated in the same way? Probably. In that case, we should be able to get inside merely by pressing this control. We certainly can. Anybody watching us? Not that I can see. Very well. Let's get inside, right? The construction of this sphere seems to be exactly the same as the smaller one, And the control panels are identical, too. Which means it needs only a few men to operate it. Yeah. How about navigating the thing? How about food and water? And, always assuming we get this ship off the ground, where do we head for? For Mars and the Discovery. At least we can contact Earth from there. If control is still listening, they may have given us up as lost. Well, we've seen all we need to down here. Let's get up to the next deck, see what's up there. Um, open the door into the central pillar. Right. The stairs leading up should be behind it. Contact. food and water, and seems to work on exactly the same principle as the smaller spheres. Mm. Well, I think we've seen enough for now. Let's hope Frank was taught to be a crewman on a ship like this, as Paddy says he was. If so, the mere sight of that control room downstairs should bring back to his mind all the training he received when he was conditioned. Yeah. Operating it should then be simplicity itself. It should be, yes. Well, let's get outside again, see what those condition times are up to. I can't see anyone. Well, let's get back to the airlock. Maybe we'll catch sight of them from there. Right. I wonder when that sphere from 738 is due to arrive. Do you think we might see it land? Well, I'm rather hoping we will. It must be fairly close now. Uh, Jet! Yes, Doc? The door leading inside the asteroid. It's closed. Good grief, so it is. Come on. Take it easy. Don't run too hard, Jet. Jet! Is
2: it closed? Tight? Yes, Doc. We can't open it. It's remote controlled. We're
3: stuck. Stuck out here on the asteroid's surface.
0: That was episode 14 of Journey Into Space. Taking part in this recording were Andrew Foles as Jet Morgan, Alfie Bass as Lemmy, Guy kingsley Pointer as Doc, and Don Sharp as Mitch. Others taking part were David Jacobs and Alan Tilton. The orchestra was conducted by Van Phillips, who also composed the music. Journey into Space was written and produced for the BBC by Charles Chilton.